0: best League of Ireland podcast in the business Brought to you by the Boyle Sports app Cash out and in-play betting Available in the App Store and Google Play Store
1: This is Off The Ball
2: Yeah, hello there You're very welcome to episode 3 of the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast With myself, Jamie Moore How are you? Coming up over the next hour or so We'll be finding out about the second ever season ...of the League of Ireland and Beauty League... ...with the man behind the concept, Christy McGilliot... ...UCD's Evan Ozam on his season-ending injury... ...and we look back on an amazing weekend of action... ...on the opening weekend of the Premier League season... ...and ahead of a double dose of Premier action on Friday and Monday... ...and the start of the First Division season as well... ...with one of our many League of Ireland expert pundits... ...former Wexford and Galway manager Shane Keegan... ...so let us waste no time and get the show on the road... ...with the bowls boss, Keith Long... And his counterpart Ollie Horgan After their game at Dalymount on Friday Bohemians And Finn Harps played at Daily Mount Park Daily Mount Park was sold out to Jody stand Packed to capacity Dinny Corcoran got the winner for the Gypsies Just before half time Now he was on the show last week Here though is the thoughts of his manager Keith Long Who was speaking to Off the Balls End the call
3: Obviously I think we can improve From a performance perspective And uh, I'm really really pleased with the result The outcome Three points Um you know, it's a, it was a very tough game. Obviously Finn Harris a promoted side coming here. Um, you know, the expectation around around our club was that we were we were um, you know, expected to, to pick up the three points. So, um but Finn Harp's coming here, we know they're a strong, dogged side, the organized, you know, we're going to test you at plays, long throw ins. Um, you know, it, the nature of the game was a little bit scrappy, but you know, we've we've come out, we probably should win the game maybe a little bit more comfortably. We we had the most clear cut chances in the game, particularly um, you know, into the second half, um, which makes the game probably a little bit easier for us. Potentially, if we take those chances, and um, you know, but we've hung on in the end. We've had to defend. We've had to win some headers. Our keepers had to, you know, come and claim some long long balls into the box. So, so I'm pleased. We've got our season off to a to a good start. Harps
4: arguably started the stronger of the two sides. Were you just taken by surprise a bit in the first half by the quality of the
3: opposite? I don't think Harps started uh, um, any better than us. So I have to be honest. I thought, thought we started okay. It, it was a bit nervy. Don't get me wrong. Um, both sides were, had, had moments um, in the early part of the game, but you know, you're not going to get a perfect performance this time of year. Our boys don't train on grass. I'm sure Finn Harps in the, in the depths of January, in the winter, don't, are training on all weather pitch like ourselves. So you know, it's difficult um, coming in to play on grass. Um, you know, fellas, it is leggy, you know, the they, they, they pitch will, will drag out on them and so on. So uh, the game wasn't wasn't uh, free-flown, it wasn't, it wasn't um, full of uh, nice, pretty uh, passing football, but it was, uh, it was a game that we're really pleased to win because we knew it was going to be tough and uh, we would come out on top.
4: It is the first game of the season, so like you said, there are going to be missed chances, but you've had a good few chances in the second half do you think that just will work to improve on those going forward Is that, would that be the main aim
3: oh well, listen we've always got work to do you know so we could have won the game by more tonight uh, in the end we, we'd probably hang on a little bit you know but I don't think our, our goalkeeper has had any uh, saves to make so um, you know we've, I think in my opinion we've deservedly won the game it was a narrow victory we've got lots to work on throughout all departments of the team um, some good performances lot, lots of new faces in the team um, coming in new to the league so uh, that will that will bring them on tonight and they'll be better for it
4: What is the ultimate aim for Bohemians this year? Mid-table finished last season Do you, are you just looking to push for Europe this year or is it really looking to kind of much of the same this year?
3: Um, we won tonight and that's as far as I'm, I'm happy to say uh, that we won tonight I'm pleased in terms of the rest of the season you know Um you know, we've got to be patient. We've got a new group of players. We've got lots of young boys that are new to the league and, uh, you know, we, we can't really look, look beyond tonight. We've got next week an important game against UCD. Um, we can't put any limits on our season. Obviously, we'd like to, like to um, you know, do as well as we possibly can, but everybody does, you know.
2: Yeah, that's the Bohemians manager, Keith Long, speaking to us on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Now, the man he was against on Friday is a very interesting character, Finn Harp's manager, Ollie Horgan, who also spoke to Enda.
4: Ollie Horgan, uh, first game of the season. they must be disappointed not to come away with anything.
0: Well, obviously, yeah. You know, you're not away from a game, but nothing. Um, of course, you're disappointed. But uh, you know, I, t- I don't think we did enough in the second half to merit anything. To be blunt, first half we did we did enough. And funny enough, that's the time we conceded. But boys were the better side in the second half. And to be fair to them, they're probably you know they, they could have ran out two or three nil winners in the second half. Although to be fair to our lads, we stuck at it. And, and, you know, we, we made, a, made a fight of it at the end, but we weren't good enough in the first part of the second half to put it that way to you.
4: You started well and almost, uh, almost took the, the lead through Daniel O'Reilly. Uh, how disappointing were you, was it that you considered late on in the second half after such a good, promising opening performance? The, the, the
0: small margins. You know, Dan hit the post with a header. To be fair to, to, to Denny's goal, it fell for him brilliantly and over the man to finish it. And, you know, you need to take your chances in this division. You don't get too many of them. And uh, to be fair, you know, we didn't do enough in the second half to merit anything. First half, yeah, we could have been, you know, feeling a bit sorry for ourselves. But second half, no. bows ran now worthy winners, so the credit. And we move on. It doesn't get any easier, obviously, you know. I
4: suppose that is the fine margins of Premier Div- Division football. Is that what you expect going forward? Is it really going to be a relegation battle again this year?
0: Uh, look, there, Of course it is. You know, I mean, there's no point in saying anything different. If we can say in this division it be the best achievement of that group of players ever, to allow it to, you know. But uh, you needed to be picking up points maybe here and, and, and other places to put it that way, because we've got pets and we've got Dundalk next weekend, which is, you know, two in the one weekend. Bad enough, one in one weekend. The two in the one weekend <laughs> is that difficult, you know. But look, we'll go we're joy. Look, we're delighted to be back in it. You know, the last game we played in this division was 18 months ago here in the last game of the season. What other year it was the two thousand and seventeen season. So it's great to be back, but but obviously a little bit of tinge of disappointment that we didn't get something out of
4: it. Peter Burke pulled off some yeah. nice saves in the second yeah. half. He came in for Kieran Gallagher. Is there a reason Kieran Gallagher wasn't in, in the squad at all today?
0: Kieran Gallagher's on honeymoon, and we wish him well. And uh, himself, and he's bright. We uh, we wish them well. And he had disarranged way back. To be fair, he didn't know what division we were in. Whether we in the first division or the Premier Division at the time. And uh look we we, we can't pull him back from a honeymoon but put it that way to you know. Although we tried. <laughs> there
4: are a couple of new signings this year. How impressed were you by their performance Especially right. Rafael Cataro. Oh. He looked, he looked pretty uh bright in the opening forty-five minutes. Yeah, know. look, Rath
0: is a great lad. Yeah, we're delighted to have him. We tried to get him year after year, and eventually he came to us. He wants to continue to play, but we need more than just Rath. We need we need everybody playing at, at a better standard than what we were in the second half. If we get back to the first half the performance, then we have the chance of staying in the division. But we need to get back to that.
4: How important financially is it to stay in the division? Because I know Fin Harps are looking to build a new stadium, and uh, the bonus of being in the first division is obviously a lot different to being in the second division.
0: It isn't, it isn't. Um, we find that, you know, if we can stay in contention in either division, be it at the top of the first division or be it fighting at the lower end of the Premier Division, we'll get crowds if we drift away early and, 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 and don't have something to fight for. Regardless of what division we're in, we, we might struggle. But look, I mean, with a bit of pride, the club and the players in there want to be in the Premier Division. And we'll, 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 we'll fight, to put it that way too, but we probably need a little bit more than fight and you know that second half performance while we had a little bit of character it wasn't good enough for for, for a point here
4: Lastly uh, there's been a lot of talk of facilities uh, in the League of Ireland lately Niall Quinn came out recently and said that the League of Ireland should break away from the FAI do you, do you have any comment on, on his ideas for the league going forward or
0: Are you joking? <laughs> you want me to, to back her or go against that? No, no you can't can speak out in this league you know there's no point in me criticising anybody. We can only criticise ourselves. Look, we're delighted to be in the division. We ourselves are trying to get a new facility up and running, which, which you know, it's it's not before time. And we can't go and criticise facilities and other people's places when ourselves aren't in order. But please God, over time, after my years, I'm sure that we'll be up and running and and and, and, and have a facility that, that we can be proud of.
2: The Finharps manager, Ollie Horgan, and before him, Keith Long, speaking to Off The Ball's end of call as Bowles beat Finneharps 1-0 at Dalyman Park on Friday. The new Ireland assistant coach Robbie Keane was at that game. Terry Connor, the assistant manager, was at Dundalk's 1-1 draw with Sligo Rovers. And the best of luck to Robbie Benson of Dundalk who picked up a serious injury in that game. While Mick McCarthy was in Richmond Park to see St. Patsby, Cork City 1-0, Mikey Drennan got the winner in that game from the penalty spot. Mick said he loved it, the atmosphere at the game. Shamrock Rovers beat Waterford 2-1, biggest crowd of the weekend. 4,152 fans saw that game. Shamrock Rovers' new Austrian signing, who only signed during the week, Orhan Vokic, got that winning goal for uh, Rovers in the 93rd minute, a 2-1 victory. While the other game, newly promoted UCD were well beaten 3-0 by Declan Devine's Derry City at the Ryan McBride Brandywell Stadium. So a great start for Derry, not so much though for UCD. Now it's time to be joined by Christy McElliott and talk all things amputee football as the new League of Ireland amputee season will kick off uh, this coming weekend. It's in Ballymun United's ground at 2 o'clock on Saturday. It's free entry and all support is welcome. Bowls face Cork City, Cork City face Shamrock Rovers and then Bowls face Shamrock Rovers. So there's three teams in this league. It's the second ever league and Cork will also represent Ireland in the first ever Amputee Champions League in May later this year. So let's talk all of the above and exactly what Amputee football means to the players with Christy McGilliot who I sat down with at the Aviva Stadium a couple of weeks ago as the FAI launched its 500 days to go campaign before Euro 2020 to look for some volunteers to help us, Dublin will host four games at the tournament.
3: Off the Balls
0: League of Ireland podcast. Brought to you by the Boyle Sports app. Cash out and in-play betting available in the App Store and Google Play Store.
2: Hey, it's Jamie Moore here. We're at the Aviva Stadium. 500 days, or around that anyway, until we host some games here at Euro 2020. And the FAI have launched their volunteer programme trying to get some volunteers to help out with all aspects of our city and our country hosting four games at the European Championships. I'm here with Christy McElliot, who is very famous around these parts of Dublin for many reasons, but mainly in recent years for being involved in the Irish amputee football team, recently at the World Cup. And of course, the Irish Amputee League was launched last year, and it'll be bigger and better this year as well. And we've got an Irish team heading off to play in the Amputee Champions League. So lots to discuss. Christy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks, sir. Looking forward to being here in 2020. Hopefully cheering on the boys in green in a couple of Euros games.
5: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for us. You know, um, we've, you know, I think we've captured everything that's great about Dublin City and Ireland itself. So uh, I'm look really looking forward to it. You know, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. we you know we're in the mix ourselves. Like so, it's a great opportunity for anybody who wants to get involved as well. So yeah, I'm looking really looking forward to
2: it. Yeah, Christy also works full-time with the FAI. What sort of great things about Dublin will we have involved in this Euro's Ireland here or Ireland not here? It's a city that has lots to offer for the fans that are going to come.
5: Yeah, look, I think, you know, Dublin City itself is is renowned for, as a, tour, a huge tourist attraction. Um, people want to come in and, and, you know, look into the history of, of Ireland and and no better place than to come to Dublin. But also, I think... Um, you know we're really going to attract everybody is 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 the hospitality that we have here in this country like you know in Ireland, we're we're very we're very um open to 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 new new coaches and new new countries coming in and uh, and being part of that you know we have a great great supporter base here we do in in this country for all aspects of our sport which is huge and um Yeah, look, I think anybody anybody who has been here in the past has has loved it, gone away, wanting to come back. So, you know, this is no better. This is a great historic event for us, you know, um, hosting the Euros 2020 here in Dublin. So it's um, it's huge, you know, I think everybody um, in the country is really looking forward and really enthusiastic about
2: it. Yeah, and hopefully Ireland will be here playing a couple of group games as well in that competition taking place. Of course, the qualifiers begin for Ireland against Gibraltar away in Georgia at home in March as well. Christy, speaking of big competitions, talk us through the Amputee World Cup in Mexico, which you guys were at, finished 13th in the end, I think, uh, in a, a win over Italy in the thirteen fourteen place playoff as well. We, we spoke to a couple of the players around the time of it as well. Just haven't had some time to, to look back on it now. An amazing couple of weeks over there.
5: Oh, it was fantastic. You know, um, I think that the event itself was uh, went off uh, really well. You know, uh, we were... You know we were really looking forward to the competition seven we prepared really well for we did you know so so to finish 14th was was huge for us and um, you know what I, I definitely think and this, um, without sounding too big-headed or you know or blowing our own trumpet you know i definitely think we're a top 10 team in the world um we were, we're ranked sixth in europe you know and you know we finished that event uh, you know finishing 14th we, you know, one or two of the games didn't go for us, which, which you know, we have to expect sometimes, and we we'll just take it on the chin. But definitely, um, everybody really enjoyed it. You know, with the football we played, we prepared really well for it. Uh, was exceptional, and um, you know, a couple of the pitches probably were a bit disappointing. Surface was, but other than that, it was you know, it was fantastic. The people in Mexico really, really took the game uh, to the next level. support was, and were were really enthusiastic you know every game we played it was a great atmosphere you know we were really loved you know and anywhere we went the players it was probably you know i'm not not long involved in amputee football probably six years i think the players as well and i think this is their platform for our players to to look and perform like professional footballers and uh, and the supporters definitely made them feel that way you know everywhere they went they were they were asked for, you know, signatures and, you know, and photographs and, you know, which is, which comes with our game, it does itself, you know, when we play in major competitions and European Championships and World Cups. So, you know, for for us, it's, it's huge. Our players feel really, you know, um, really important, you know, they're important to us in our game, but they feel really important from, from the other, with the other countries, you know, in in that environment. So, when they come out of that environment it's really difficult for, for them to settle back into their their natural um everyday you know work and you know whatever else they do so it's really important for them um but yeah they loved it
2: yeah amputee football in ireland founded in 2011 and chrissy's been a major driver of that for those listening chrissy or watching you can watch us on our youtube channel as well I know you've spoken to us before as well. Just give us a quick overview of amputee football, what it is. And, and there's a couple of you know specific rules for goalkeepers and outfielders. And, and you know, the first time I asked about it, I wasn't aware that players actually played on their crutches. But they do. And, and there's lots of other you know bits and bobs around of the rules to, to try and make it as, as uh, enjoyable as possible for the players.
5: Yeah, I think, look, you know, when we mention amputee football, first of all, um, most people think you just have to be an amputee to play. You know, and that is that's that's kind of right, but also you know somebody who's born with a leg defect or an arm defect, you know where the leg hasn't formed properly or the or the arm hasn't formed properly, um, or is a bit shorter than Jura can play, you know. But they play, we play on crutches, so so everybody must participate in crutches. by the goalkeepers, goalkeepers are one arm goalkeepers, uh, so they they have you know one arm tucked away, um, or if, if it's gone below from the wrist, the arm has to be tucked into the jersey. If it's gone from the elbow, same again. But if it's gone from the shoulder there's no need to you know but uh, but yeah and and the game is played on on an astro turf or grass pitches um at the moment that's where that's the way we play uh, you know the games themselves from an international point of view are 50 minutes long 25 minutes and a half um but in their league you know we have our three teams in Bowes, cork city and shamrock rovers and we playing you know we've now introduced it to a six aside and um, this year you know as opposed to five aside last year um, we're not ready, really at the stage yet where we want to throw another team into it just yet until we get the players, more players, come in. Um, we just want to make sure that every team that has a 6 or so team also has substitutes involved in that. It'd be very easy for me to say, OK, let's have four teams and divide all the players we have. But if one player gets injured, you know, we have to change the whole format of it. So we don't want to do that. So it's better for us to have extra players involved in into other teams. Um, there is a team, you know, who, who want to get involved. Who a club, should I say, not a team. A club who want to get involved. Glen Torren, who are looking to set up an amputee football team. Some of our players play up for, are from the, nor- the north um, who play in their international team, which is great for us. And hopefully we can then introduce Glen Thorne into it. Um, and if we do, that'll be our four team. We also have a couple of players who are involved in Limerick. You know, and maybe going down the line, we could you know, when we speak to a couple of the Limerick sides, maybe Limerick FC, who knows, um, and see if they want to come on board or see if they're interested in coming on board um, to cater for the players that are there. So we don't want to jump too far ahead of ourselves, you know, we don't want to make sure we get all these teams and then we don't have any players to yeah. fill the teams. So, you know, it's more important for us to try and gradually, you know, encourage as many players, as many people out there who are amputees to get involved with us and to show them that the game is really great and that they can play it. Uh, most people seem to think, I think, that. Uh, it's it's a it's a bit difficult you know maybe they think they can play on the prosthetic and they're not too happy about that or maybe they they're not happy about not playing on the prosthetic you know i don't really know because we you know we haven't had a situation where people have came and talked to me everybody who's involved with us has has said to me that at this moment in time that they are they understand you know when they read about it that they understand that the game is played on one leg and crutches so you know, anybody who's out there who does want to get involved, you know, you can, it's always ways contacting us on our Facebook page mm-hmm. and also, you know, through the FEO itself. So
2: Yeah, just search Irish Amputee Football on Facebook or Twitter and you'll find the lads as well. Now, Christy, we were hoping that Shamrock Rowers or Bowers might win the first league because for Dublin, of course, um, but they didn't. Cork City the champions. And as a result this May, Cork are going to play in the first ever, I think I'm right in saying, Amputee Champions League, which is going to be amazing. So talk me through what that's what's that going to be like for them this summer
5: yeah I, look at Cork City it was a, mar- a remarkable achievement for them it was you know they were always knocking on the door with Bowes. Bows had were ahead by a point going to the last game of the season um, Shamrock Rovers couldn't couldn't win it but they could possibly finish second and Cork City you know what could have even eventually finished either second third or fourth. so it was you know we couldn't have planned it a, a better finish to the season um, but you know Cork beat Powers Bowers in the last game um, with a one nil uh, win, and they went in to the Champions League, which is in Georgia. Now Cork City put in the bid as well to host it in Cork, and unfortunately just fell short of of one or two of the requirements. But you know, for them, it was it was a great achievement for them to to actually win the league. But also you now they're going to play in the first ever Champions League, which is huge. You know, it's huge for a team that's just in its infancy in amputee football to go now and and represent Ireland in the Champions League or our team in Ireland in the Champions League um, is, is fantastic like you know we have I think you have um, a couple of other teams there um, from Tokyo and uh, Tokyo professional uh, run league um you have Georgia you have Russia you know you have I think
2: Everton too
5: is it? Everton Football Club yeah. are involved as well and ourselves and the team um, from Poland so, I mean, that, that makes up the six teams that are involved in it. You know, the host country will, will cover the cost for the players and the houses, the housing the players and feeding the players. But, you know, Cork City are looking now to do some sort of fundraisers as well, obviously with the help of Cork City Football Club, um, to, to generate the money which will, will get them there, you know, from the flights. So, it's huge. And, and from, from, football, from football terms, like, you know, this is, we're talking about lads who have gone from representing the country in the World Cup European Championships to the first ever league to now playing in the Champions League football <laughs> it's you know I, I couldn't have couldn't have imagined it myself And you know, when we forced out the league last year like you know so um, now again it's the Champions League as well will be in its infancy it's the first ever one you know so hopefully it's going to go from strength to strength this year you know early kicks off on the 23rd of February and Bowles will host the first uh, event and then after that you know who knows you know It'll be the pressure will be on Cork City to retain it, um, and yeah, and you definitely will have Bowes and, and Shamrock Rovers knocking on the door, uh, come the end of the season, you know, and possibly with the 2020 just next year, who knows, you know, one of the teams could be heading from Dublin to the Champions League, or could be hosting the Champions League here. Um, going the way they're going at the moment, they're preparing really well, so yeah, really interesting times ahead, and really looking forward to the year.
2: Great stuff, Christy. Very finally. For those listening, uh, you know, to your story and other stories, you know, just tell us the importance of Amity Football in the lives of of all of the people involved. You lost your leg in a crash back 18 years ago now. You were on the way to, you you were playing regular football, if that's the right word, and you lost your leg in a crash and you're now working full-time in the FAI and and you're very heavily involved in the Amity Football as well. But just... Sum up to me the importance of, of this sport for the people involved in it and the people who will be involved in it for years and years yeah. to come.
5: Well, look, I think I think anybody who comes from a sporting background or or, or somebody who's been active, you know, and, and lost a limb, or even for somebody who's who has lost a limb at birth and never had the opportunity to play football, this is huge. It is because it gives now gives them, you know, that. I suppose some of the tools to, to to gain some independence going forward. Like you know, it's not always about you know, mommy looking after you and wrapping you in cotton wool and making sure nothing happens to you. It this is this will give you you know some sort of. I'll give you definitely give you confidence. It'll definitely um, take your confidence level from where it is. And, and raise it and with the confidence that you have there will we'll guide you in the right direction to possibly getting involved, to possibly do, you know, opening doors within the workplace, you know, to possibly, you know, regaining some sort of independence, whether you, you know, whether it be walking to the shops, whether it be walking to the park, you know, all those little things um, that, that anybody else who, who doesn't have a disability will find, um, you know, sim- simplistic you know, and whereas, whereas some of us might find them trivial, um, they that, that would definitely bring your confidence levels up to do them and, and to maybe to look at them and approach them a bit differently. But I think football in general is... I remember one of one of my friends who was involved, Simon Baker, saying that, you know, medicine, his medicine was always sport, you know. And sport was the medicine for him to get him from where he was when he lost his leg to where he is now, um, he who's a record holder in the marathon. So, I remember him saying them words to me and I remember saying, Do you know, what that makes a lot of sense. And it, was the, it was the kick in the backside that I, I needed as well to, to push me on because um, I lost my love of football for a long time I did and, and got back involved in it when I started getting actively involved with the amputee team. So for me, it was, it was great, you know, then I, you know, you know, with a lot of things, you know, not being as mobile as I, I used to be, I put on a lot of weight, lost a lot of weight. Then went back playing football again, you know. Then became an international player. Then finished with the international team to just concentrate on the football, uh, the league. So um, yes, yeah, so I it was. It's huge, and I think it, it's it is really just basically gives you so much confidence, like you know. And you're around people, you're around peers who who don't look at you any differently. You know, I'm not saying people do purposely because it's human nature for people to just stare. You know, but uh, but that's the way it is. And when you're in that environment of of amputees you know, we're, we're kind of really tight-knit group and we kind of, you know, when we when we want to take the Michael out of each other, we've no problem doing it, you know, and we can get away with it. Yeah, it's, yeah. I know it sounds really funny, but we can get away with it in that environment, you know, whereas outside of that environment we don't like people talking about us, like, you know, like that sort of thing. We don't like people looking at us as having a disability, you know, and we don't in general. Like You know, our lads generally look at each other as athletes, you know, and that's the way they want to be um, looked at. You know, as athletes, so they don't want. They're not looking for pats on the back. They're not looking for you know the, the you know the big high fives. They're looking for you know just for people to to buy into the game that we play, to enjoy the game that we play, um, and that's really all.
2: Chris McGarry, thanks a million.
5: Pleasure. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, Christy McGilliot of the FAI's Amputee League speaking to myself, Jamie Moore at the Aviva Stadium for our League of Ireland podcast. The new Amputee League kicks off in Ballymun United this coming Saturday 23rd of Feb at 2 o'clock. All support is welcome and admission is free. Here on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with myself, Jamie Moore. I should have mentioned Christy was speaking to me as the FAI launches 500 days to go volunteer programme before Euro 2020. More information on FAI.ie. Now, one of our League of Ireland pundits on our League of Ireland podcast here with Off The Ball this season is former Wexford and Galway manager and current pundit for all of the above, Off The Ball and The Times and uh, wherever else you might find him. Shane Keegan, how are you?
6: That's not too bad, Jay. Yourself.
2: Great, thanks, Shane. Now, before we talk about the first division, which we'll mention in a couple minutes, time that season starting this weekend. What was your main takeaway from the opening weekend of the Premier Division, apart from the massive crowds?
6: Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, I suppose main takeaway is potentially. We'll, we'll see how things pan out in the end. But potentially, Shemar Grover's shown the the steel look, whatever you want to call it, that they probably uh, lacked last year to really get amongst it. Um, that was certainly there from last weekend to come up with a, a scrappy injury time winner if they can develop that element over the course of the season I think you could see a far uh, stronger challenge from them
2: Yeah they won 2-1 in Waterford the biggest crowded weekend over 4,100 down there in the RSC and Waterford have taken the lead through Kevin O'Connor but Rovers equalised Aaron Green got a goal and then a the new signing Voyage got the winner literally with the last touch of the game and dramatic scenes and you know interestingly Stephen Bradley and Alan Reynolds were both suspended having both been sent off against each other in one of the last games of last season so for Rovers to do with some new signings in the team Jack Byrne, Aramak and F. Voyage coming on as I said a real positive start for them
6: Yeah look the selection that they've got obviously particularly in the midfield area is just incredible really so it's, 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 it's arguably the strongest in the league it's right up there with anything that the likes of Dundalk have got anyway that's for sure um, and yeah, look, I, I think a lot of people have said that they expect them to make a, a lot stronger challenge. I suppose the question mark, you know, was right. Well, do they have the, the mentality to dig out results when, when things aren't going their way? But, you know, last year when they were playing well, they looked really, really good. It was almost when they when they didn't play well. They they, they very rarely picked up three points that they didn't deserve. And by all accounts, it looks like they've done exactly that with a, with a good start last weekend.
2: Yeah, speaking of midfield selections... Shane St. Pats and Harry Kenny opened their campaign with a win as well 1-0 against Cork, Mikey Drennan from the penalty spot and Rhys McKay played and so did Chris Forrester and you know Pats looked really really good as well an unbelievable crowd, I was at the game at Richmond Park and a couple of new midfield signings played a good start for Harry Kenny and a really good place Richmond Park is to go and watch football games when it's full and and Mikey Drennan, the man you know well scored in every game in pre-season and is off the mark in the league
6: yeah yeah look absolutely delighted for Mike I think he'll, he's 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 pretty much a guarantee of goals there for them if they can if they can keep the supply line going it, the great thing with Mike is he, he offers you so many different options He can do the whole up play he you know he can go in behind he's also excellent on on set so that was a great thing for terms the delight to see him get off the mark but like you say, Jamie, like there's an absolute embarrassment. Rich is there as well because you look at the 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 side they then turn around and put out on the Monday night for the Lenz Senior Cup, which I think featured nine changes and look for all the world like a, a first choice eleven almost, you know? Um so fantastic, absolutely fantastic strength in depth for them. If they could go away to Flygo this weekend and, and, and pick up three points, um they'd be off to a you know, they'd really, really be off to a flyer so they would and, and again Much like Shamrock Rovers, you're looking at Pats, you're looking at Rovers and saying, right, you two need to go and prove your credentials. The other two have shown over the last few years that they're going to be there, thereabouts, but, you need to prove yourselves, and if they both picked up positive results again this weekend, I think we'd really start to believe that. Yeah, they might, they might, uh, they might push over the full course of the season.
2: Yeah, and in the week that the legendary Gordon Banks died as well, Brendan Clark made an unbelievable Gordon Banks-like save to claw a ball off the goal line. And I've also never seen a player run as much as Connor Clifford in that game. He was the man of the match, and he just put in such a shift in midfield and, and had a really, really good performance as well. Shane the other games of note of course Derry City a 3-0 win against UCD great to see the Ryan McBride Brandywell also packed to the rafters full some really poor goals from UCD's point of view and, and the manager Colly O'Neill said afterwards that you know we need to learn quickly and we need to become more mature quickly and unfortunately with the young squads that's not going to be the case for them and a really good opening win for Derry but disappointing for UCD given they thought they might go up there and, and start okay.
6: Yeah, look. I, to be honest with you, I think anybody associated with, with with UCD who who thought they weren't going to to find stuff tough, tough or kidding themselves, I'd I'd have a real, real liking for them. Obviously, with with uh, knowing a lot of the players having competed against a lot of the players against Collie for for a lot of the time, they would have overlapped in in the same division, so we would, and you'd you'd really, really like them to to, to do well because of the style of football they implement and the whole lot. But you know, I, to be honest with you. I kind of said to one or two people asked how I thought that game would go, and I, I did think Derry would win. I, I won't say I thought they'd win comfortably, but I I, I, I didn't really have many doubt that they'd win. You know, they looked a lot more battle hardened, a lot more seasons. I know they had a lot of new players, but the new players Derry were bringing in were, you know, they were guys maybe in their mid 20s, that kind of crack. Um, whereas UCD, look, for a lot of those players, it's maybe their first time being at that level. You look at somebody like Liam Scales, who has absolutely fantastic potential, who was a standout player in the first division last year, and you know, unfortunately, he had a bad night at the, at the office, and that's going to happen to so many of their players because they're young, Jamie. That's unfortunately, that's what happens with you. You're, you're having consistency, and you have bad nights, and they will learn whether they can learn quickly enough to to try and keep them out of the bottom two might be a stretch. Um, look, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. I think everybody though would like to see them do well.
2: Yes yeah, Shane, now I'm furiously searching my Twitter page here because we're going to have a bit of fun every Friday with everyone involved in our podcast and make our predictions and uh, I didn't do too well this weekend you got 3 out of 5 but you're saying excuses wise that bar an injury time goal and a keeper being man of the match it would have been 5 out of 5 on your opening weekend
6: that's it that's it that that, that scrappy Rovers winner uh we been 4 from 5 and then yeah my argument on the other one was, was how could I possibly have anticipated uh, McGinty's superlatives on the, on the night but um, 3 from 5 look I suppose if you're averaging 3 from 5 every week you, I, you might come out top of the table you know yeah I was 2 from
2: 5 myself and uh, one of them I didn't call correctly was Bowes against Finn Hart so I thought that game might have been a draw it was 1-0 to Bows Dinny Corcoran scrappy enough goal but a goal all the same and this was an important game for both. Clearly, it's the first game of the season, everyone wants to win. But given that both teams may, towards the end of the season, be looking at not being in the top four and maybe being involved in, in the other half of the table, a narrow victory, even Keith Long said after we heard from himself and Nadia Horgan earlier on, that both feel they can play better. But to win those tight games like that, it, you know, will be key for a team like Bowles against the teams around them.
6: Yeah, it definitely was. And again, it's a it's it's another one that you kind of uh, would have seen that result as, as been a strong possibility. Like, at the end of the day, Jeremy, you look at, at what Harps have, have achieved over the over the last couple of years, and it's always, always been built on their home form. Um, and whether they stay up or whether they don't uh, stay up will yet again come down to their home form this week. They wouldn't be, be fantastic travellers, given the lengths of, of some of their drives and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, Both, to me, have... Like there was a, I won't say there was a lot of doom and gloom, but look, they did obviously lose a few players over the off season and then you know there's question marks over whether they're going to find themselves in a relegation battle. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I think they've just got that bit more than kind of your UCDs and your Finn Harps, and they might even finish ahead of one or two more if 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 if, if Keith and, and Trevor can continue to kind of get them to overperform in the way that they did and. Uh, it didn't surprise me that they won and I don't think it surprised anybody that the goal scorer was who it was either
2: Now there was a bit of surprise in Oriel Park as well the final game of the opening weekend Dundalk won Sligo won and as you mentioned Ed McGinty man of the match performance in goal for Sligo Jack Keane scored a free kick just before the break which you know Dundalk goalkeeper Gary Rogers. Possibly could have saved Sean Murray who'd come on for the injured Robbie Benson And our best wishes to Robbie and to also Patrick McElhenney Who would both be out of action for a little bit with injuries Sean Murray equalises at to host of chances Liam Buckley even said himself he wasn't quite sure how they didn't, how Dundalk didn't win that match And then Dundalka won a changed team on, on Monday They lose 1-0 to Athlone in the Leinster Senior Cup And they've got a trip up to Bali Buffet on, on Friday of this week So an interesting week for Dundalka And it's very rare that you'd see them lose a couple of games in a row and, and only score once
6: yeah, yeah, look, um, I I wouldn't be one for, for jumping the gun on that at all, to be honest with you. I would be far more concerned if I was a Dundalk supporter if Dundalk had played really poorly last Friday night. And that's why they would got a draw, rather than the reality being that they played quite well and were very unlucky to come up against a, a goalkeeper who had a, a really, really good game. Um, I would say, obviously, the bigger concern for them, as you've said, is the, is the two injuries it will be a big plus for them that Sean Murray came on and looked so well in, in Robbie Benson's position. Um, whether he can play to that standard every week in his, his first season in this league to the level that Robbie is capable of doing, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I, I from what I'm hearing, his injury shouldn't be as long. Um, the interesting one for me was Sligo. Like, they rode their luck. They did have a few pretty good performances, obviously. It was interesting to see um, McFadden in, in that new role in the whole midfield position. It was bad for him in a game against the opposition like that. It was bad for him. And obviously, John Mahan looks more and more like a Rolls-Royce every time you see him. But I just found Liam's comments after the game. Look, you know exactly the kind of football you're going to get with him. Does he have enough ability within that squad for them to play like that every week? I think he has to be happy for them, a little bit happier for them to muck in and, and go about doing it the way they did last week. Um, rather than looking for them to play flowing football every single week I think he needs to get that balance right and if I was him I would have been absolutely delighted with the, the players last week
2: Yeah the fixtures this weekend as well it's a double weekend of action on the second weekend of the new season in the Premier five games on Friday Cork and Waterford both teams lost on the open weekend of course Sligo against St. Pats Liam Buckley facing his former club Pats in just his second game in charge of Sligo, it's UCD against Bows at the UCD Bowler game, albeit I can't wait to be back in the ball watching Premier League football, Finn Harps and Dundalk is the 80 o'clock kickoff, while also in Tallah Stadium, it's Shamrock Rovers against Derry City, and then the five games on Monday as well, including the Derby Bows against Rovers, Shane, so a busy weekend for the players and the managers as well, and there's often criticism of the fixture list and how many games before the break and how many games after the break, and they're back in the thick of it this weekend with Friday-Monday games how difficult are they to prepare for particularly at this time of the season when players are still really building match fitness and only really up to playing 90-minute games in the last week or so
6: Yeah, this, this, is, where the, um, this is where the teams that that aren't operating off a full-time schedule will find it very very tough going there's absolutely no doubt about that I mean, potentially you're looking at uh, let's say you know, a player from Twin Harps there, a player from Bohemians as well you know, could potentially have a day's work on Friday, um, before maybe trying to get off a few hours early to head away to a game on Friday night. Be back in all hours, um, get up on Saturday and try and pencil in some form of recovery. Get a session, a very light session, but yet a session that needs to cover all the shape work and all the set pieces, and everything that you need to do. Probably on the Sunday before potentially going in and doing another day's work on Monday before a game Monday night. I mean, that you know, if you think about the realities of what that means um you can understand why, why you know, the likes of of, of Bowes and, and and Finn Harps would here find a weekend like this. And there's plenty more of these kind of weekends to come, so what can they do? But, but you know, they just have to bear the brunt of it and, and, and see what they can get out of it.
2: Yeah, I suppose as well, you've got to say, you know, Bowes two games, thankfully for them are in Dublin. They play in the bowl on Friday and then back at Dailymount on Monday. And the Derby can't wait to be that game too. But for Harps, they'd be back up again to Dublin on Monday to play against St Pats so they've come from a Friday game in Dublin against Bowes to nine days later another trip and the players who do work and are in college and stuff as well that is a big commitment to have to take two half days in in the first week and it's something obviously a lot more common in in the part-time teams like if we look at the Premier now you've got UCD who are the, the, the lads are all in college and then you've got those two clubs I mentioned Bowes and Harps everyone else is full-time so it's much more difficult than the part-time teams
6: it certainly is. And then, I suppose, the other thing to add to that, will, and look, there's nothing anybody can do about this. It's just the reality of, of of the finances of different club situations. But, again, you look at what we've spoken about in terms of the squad depth of your Dundalks, Torks, Rovers, and, and, and Packs. And, you know, they've got 20 players, probably, who don't look out of place, being in the first Team 11, and they should be able to, to, to rotate those quite a, a bit, maybe, over the course of those two games. Again, you look at Harps, and Ollie would probably tell you he's got maybe 14 before he has kind of serious question marks about throwing another player in outside of that. So on top of all that, they've probably got less ability to to rotate the squad over the over that. But look, it is it is what it is, you know.
2: You're on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with Jamie Moore and Shane Keegan here. That was our Premier Division focus for this weekend. I mentioned the fixtures, but we're really excited as well about the First Division. And we spoke to managers and players from all 10 First Division clubs on a very special First Division launch preview special podcast, which is on the Off The Ball and 98fm.com podcast section since Sunday. So we spoke to six managers, Gary Cronin from Bray, Neil Fenn of Longford, Tim Clancy of Drada, Terry... Uh, from at Lone Town, Terry Butler of course, Pat Devlin of Cabin and Limerick's Tommy Barris, uh, plus Stephen Henderson of Cove. And four players, Kevin Horgan, the Galway goalkeeper who had the best reveal ever of a League of Ireland player, revealed by a drone during the week. We also spoke to Luke Byrne from Shelburne, who ju- just joined of course from Shamrock Rovers, as well as uh, Jack. Oh, my laptop has fallen off my desk, Shane. <laughs> Come on, Jamie,
6: oh my don't God. break it
2: it's actually, I'm going to have to lean over here now and get this, so hang on one second, but I'm going to go off the top of my head, so Jack Doherty of course who uh, signed for Shane's former club Wexford also joined us on the podcast, and Shane I suppose we can't wait to go, and such a long first division for the, or off season should I say, for the first division managers and players, and a great weekend of fixtures, a couple of favourites, and Bray, but you've got Longford and Draud, I'm sure will have a word to say about it, Athlone looks stronger, Wexford looks stronger, Cove, Stephen Henderson told us will want to mount a promotion push as they have done for the previous couple of years in the playoffs, and to be a, another great first division season, hopefully.
6: Yeah, it definitely looks that way. Um, it really, really does. You know, obviously the shell squad look ridiculously strong for for first division standard, and they've strengthened again this week. So they have. So look, there's no doubt that they're they're they're, they're rightly favourites and very very hot favourites at that. But you know, it, it, it doesn't as, as does always doesn't go according to plan. You know that way, so it doesn't. Um, and obviously with a new manager as well, he's going to be finding his feet. You're, you're learning very, very much for in your first season or two. I can tell you that from, from past experience as well. You are learning things as you go along. Um, and he's going to, you know, I suppose he's going to have to kind of pick up lessons very, very quick because he's going to be expected to have that team right up there, thereabouts. Now, they certainly have the quality. They've, they've got a tremendous dressing room of players, that's for sure. But yeah, you'll have to like Spearbray, Longford and that are going to fancy it. I think the first round of fixtures are really, really interesting because you've got all three of those sites that I've mentioned who probably would be the three front runners um, all away from home. And I wouldn't say any of them are, are, are gimmies. So it's, it's going to be off to a good start
2: yeah the fixtures this weekend they're all 7.45 on Friday it's Athlone against Wexford uh, both teams finished bottom and second bottom last year and the year before so that's a real interesting one and Athlone's first game on their new AstroTurf pitch as well Cabin against Bray a local derby of sorts in Stradbrook Drada hosting Cove Ramblers in a repeat of the last game of last season it's at home though in United Park for Drota it's Galway against Shells, probably the tie of the round in Aam and DC Park a huge crowd expected I think Michael D. Higgins could be going to that game I thought I saw on Twitter that he might be and Limerick against Longford in the markets field as well Neil Fens, uh, Longford team heading down there to Limerick now Shane you've won promotion from the First Division with Wexford a number of years ago and you know you've been involved in in, in the leagues across League of Ireland Premier and First Division in in the last couple of years as well apart from the obvious and and, you know picking up as many points as you can what are the the actual keys for the likes of Shells or a Bray, the two most fancy teams to actually go up because in the previous years we've seen favourites Limerick go up Waterford go up UCD last year, not so much favourites went up. Your Wexford team certainly weren't favourites, and, and went up too. So it doesn't always work the way you think it will.
6: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I suppose if I, if I look back at 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 our successful season at Wexford, um, I, I think it's trying to learn from each round and trying to progressively get stronger over the course of the season. Again, that might sound like stating the obvious, but. I mean, we back, back then, we played three rounds of games, um, I think rather than four. I'm not sure which it is again this year, but in each of those rounds, we picked up more points than we did from the previous round, if that makes sense. Um, so every time you were when we were playing teams, the second time round, we knew a bit more about them. We were probably better set up to deal with them. And then third time round, I don't know if we dropped many points at all come the third round of games. And I think if, if, if clubs, I think Shells will probably get off to a very strong start and then what it is about for the likes of a for the likes of Longford, and, and maybe draw it as well if they can overachieve it, like they did last year, is hanging in there, hanging in there, putting yourself in a position that you're still there, they're about to come the halfway point, And then right now, can you have learned your lessons in the first half of the season? Can you really, really kick on over the second half and, and, and mount the proper challenge? And if shells don't tear away from the rest very, very early, then I think it could be a, a really exciting second half of the season.
2: Yeah, it's three series of games for the First Division teams again this year, Shane, so they'll play 27 times, so they'll play twice at home, once away against certain teams, and twice away, once at home against others, and for those top teams as well, to have home advantage in those games against the rivals is a big one, I'm not exactly sure how that's done, because clearly there's two different teams in the league, at least this year, in comparison to last year, because of the, the relegation playoffs and stuff, so it'll be interesting to see, to actually look at that and see how it works out, but if you look at the league overall, Shane, you know, I mentioned the top teams for the last number of years as well, but it's definitely a stronger league in terms of the spread of good players and teams in it. Like Athlone and Wexford have been really awful the last couple of years and they won't be this year. You've got that top four that I mentioned. You've got Cove down there who are, who are trying to build something. You've Cabin Teeley as well who are in their fifth season now under Pat Devlin and also have some decent players in the squad. And It's something that you're, you're just looking at going not every game is going to be an easy one for those top teams which should make it very interesting.
6: That's it. And, and the great thing about the last couple of seasons, Jamie, is that there has been one team who are, you know, pretty much wrote off as, well, they'll finish in the bottom half, have kind of ended up finishing in the top three. And you're, you never know, you're, you know, it's very, very hard to predict which one of those it's going to be. So, I mean, look, and the obvious talk is Shells, Longford, Bray, Drogheda. You know, I think most people will be thinking that will be the top four. I I, can, I, I, I guarantee it won't be the top four. There's going to be somebody... From much lower down the pecking order, who's going to break them all there and break into all of that and find themselves in a the playoff, um, in the way the draw they did last year, in the way Cove obviously would have if the structure hadn't been as poorly thought out as it had been the previous year when they had a fantastic season. Somebody is 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 going to burst from that pack, and you know, in the way that ourselves and and Longford probably you know didn't do as well as we would have hoped based on at a uh, base back at the start of the season there's probably going to be one or two of those four teams that i've named that 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 unfortunately underachieve as well and you know it's going to be interesting to see who who falls into each of those brackets
2: Shane, just finally on the attendances for the weekend, there was just under 18,000 people at the Premier Division games, and unbelievable, and of course the first weekend's always going to have a bounce, and you know, some really great crowds, and the first division crowds this weekend won't be as big, but there will still hopefully be good attendances at all of those games, particularly if you're looking in you know, places like in Galway and in Drogheda, you would be hopeful that they'll have big crowds. When you were at Wexford and in Galway, I know, I think both teams played on a Friday, was there ever consideration to play on a different day, and I'm suppose this is more of a question based towards the clubs around Dublin, that... Like, this weekend, I'm going to go and watch UCD against Bowes, but obviously Shamrock Rovers are playing as well. But, like, first-vision clubs like Shells and cabin I know Bray tried a Saturday games for one season. Um, I just would love them to try a different night and see if there's any sort of a bounce, not just in attendance, but also in media coverage, because they might be the only game on that day. Like, I know Longford play on a Saturday and, and Cove do, but the clubs around Dublin, like, there could be four or five games in the Dublin area and at the same time on the same night.
6: Yeah could I absolutely couldn't agree more with you on that. Um you know, you'd ask what are the logical reasons for that not being rolled out. Like I suppose if you go if you go back a good things, if you go back of like talking a decade or that you'd look and you'd say, Right, Saturday, three o'clock, you don't want to clash with Premier League games or something like that. There's 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 not there's not a decent game in the Premier League at three o'clock on a Saturday anymore. I mean, any of the big teams that Irish people support now pretty much all play on a on a Sunday or or, or maybe a five thirty on the, on a Saturday or that. Like, go for something after lunch on a Saturday. Certainly, give kids more opportunity to, to to avail of the games. You know, I don't think the Friday night is ideal for for the younger ones. Um, the only other argument I can think against is is is. Um, you get this, you know, you do get people saying that the lights add to the, to add to the atmosphere and add to the occasion, and, and maybe that might be why you'd stick to a nighttime kickoff. kick-off. But as you say, even then, well, right, maybe Saturday night. I, I just think I'd love to see somebody up around Dublin try, a, try a, a 3 o'clock, somewhere between 3 and 5 o'clock kick-off on a Saturday afternoon. I think they could really, really benefit from it, and I think they'd get a, an awful, awful lot of kids in, and where they go then, the mammies and daddies tend to follow, you know?
2: Yeah, and if you're looking like, I think now with the Sky Sports deal and the BT deal, like, the 3 o'clock games on Sky Sports on a Saturday are not very good you're looking at exactly, you know the, the teams towards the bottom playing each other Not, you know, I'm a huge football fan but I actually wouldn't watch those games and I, I love going to watch live football and I love this weekend that there's going to be games on Friday and on Monday for the Premier Club but you'd love a first division team Cab, even someone like Cabin Teeley they're trying to attract young people there's nothing better actually on, a, on a, an evening than sitting out on those bleachers in, in out in Stradbrook and the sun is shining down and you're watching a League of Ireland game and I'm not saying there'll be a massive, massive, massive increase in attendance but I just think the overall thing could be more thought out that there's not and you throw in Bray and Drogheda and you know they're just oh, I just don't know why because the clubs can choose themselves when they play and I just think you've nothing to do with even someone like Chelsea. this year they should get good crowds because they're, they're on a promotion push why not try something even the odd time a couple of times in a season as a trial package you see how it runs then for the following year
6: Yeah, I, I don't know as I say I think a lot of it is just tradition and it's just well this is when we play and there's actually not any thought maybe put into well when is the opportune time for us to play to try and get the biggest crowd in that we possibly do it's just you know the old like it's, do what you've always done you'll get what you've always got and if you're historically not getting the crowds that you want well then why not try and do something different um, I mean as you say the crowds last weekend were fantastic and you'd I mean, you'd really, really hope. They're not, they're not. There's no point saying that they'll stay at that level. But you'd you'd really, really hope that they don't drop off dramatically from there. You look at an example of somebody like the RSC and, like, potentially that late goal could cost them a 1,000 supporters. It shouldn't do, but it could do. There could be, you know, there could be 500 to a 1,000 fellas went and went, oh, they're best, you know, I don't think they're going to be up too much this year and, and not turn up again the following week. And that, That's crazy. I mean, I, you know, anybody who's trying to get into League of Ireland or, or coming back into League of Ireland, you know, give your home team three, four, at least three, four games. Don't shy away from somewhere just because they've lost one game. And again, just looking at the first division, you were just saying as well, um, Galway, I mean, Galway have put in a tremendous effort over the last month or so into this uh, initiative, this Reclaim the Dyke, they're calling it. Um, the Dyke Road And, and trying yeah. to get people Marching up And I know there's Massive work going on Over there So I'd re- really really Love to see that 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 Reap benefits for them As well you know
2: Yeah and if we look At the crowds as well This coming weekend Like Corkord home For the first time this season Sligo back at the showgrounds Hart's first game Back up against Dundalk, Shamrock Rovers In Talla for the first time And UCD Bows Will really be hopeful That the Bowes Will bring a good crowd And that game in the ball Could be could be packed too But yeah I would love to explore this In more detail You know with people Maybe in clubs And to ask them as to You know have you ever tried it And why you have it Or why you haven't But uh, that's us And that is myself and Shane Keegan Looking back on the Premier Division First weekend And looking ahead to the First Division too Shane thank you so much for your time And our listeners can check out Our Twitter pages on Friday For our 10 predictions this weekend I'm going for 10 out of 10 <laughs> No problem Jay I hope that laptop's in one piece It just is about Thanks a minute Shane See you soon
6: Okay, bye
2: bye. Now it's time for our First Division focus and because the First Division season is back this weekend, we've actually got a full First Division podcast which is about 50 minutes long, 50 50 minutes long in the podcast section about 98fm and off the ball.com or wherever you happen to get your podcast. So that's our full First Division focus. We have uh, players and managers from all 10 first division clubs and I'm going to tell you exactly who they are now the four title contenders we think will be Shelburne so we were joined by Luke Byrne of Shelburne we were also joined by Gary Cronin and Paul Keegan from Bray Wanderers Neil Fenn the Longford manager and also Tim Clancy of Drada joining them Steve Henderson from Cove Ramblers Tommy Barrett of Limerick Jack Doherty who has just signed for Wexford Kevin horgan Gobb new goalkeeper who was revealed via a drone video which was really really cool Pat Devlin Cabantilly's first team manager and director of football and also Terry Butler of Athlone. So all of those 10 men, listen to them in full in our First Division Preview podcast on 98FM and OffTheBall.com. But our main focus on, on this week's First Division focus on this podcast is going to be with UCD's Evan Ozan. Now he missed their opening game of the season at 3-0 defeat to Derry on Friday. He ruptured his Achilles tendon on Monday in training and will miss the entire season. He's only 21. He's an Ireland underage international, but he's also missed... Portions of previous seasons With knee injuries And ankle injuries So it's a massive blow Now I sat down with Evan On Friday So this was before UCD lost to Derry And here's how we got on
0: The best League of Ireland Podcast in the business Brought to you by The Boyle Sports app Cash out and in play betting Available in the App Store And Google Play Store
1: This is Off the Ball
2: It's Jamie Moore here And I'm joined by League of Ireland footballer UCD defender Evan Ozam. Coming from uh, his front room Evan how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm not bad, Jamie. Thanks.
2: Evan, thanks for having a chat with me. So, the League of Ireland season started on Friday. We're chatting on Friday afternoon, so we don't know the result of any games at the moment. UCD are playing in the Brandywell against Derry. Evan, unfortunately, won't be playing. What happened to your training late last week or early, you
1: know, very shortly before the season started? Uh, yeah, just training Monday evening. Uh, my ruptured my Achilles tendon. Um, it's coming towards the end of the session. We're just playing five sides. And I just... I uh, received a pass, took a touch and I stepped back to just look up and I just felt the sharp pain in my Achilles and I thought someone had kicked me and I looked around to see who it was and no one there so I kind of knew straight away that something bad and I thought that it was the Achilles.
2: So this happened literally <coughs> four or five days before the new
1: season was going to start, Like you couldn't pick worse timing? Yeah, it was I was buzzing to get going, looking forward to the season ball unfortunately it happened, so I'll have to deal with it. So
2: when something like this happens and it's kind of an unexplained injury in that no one was near you nobody kicked you what actually happens in your head and what happens in, in the immediate minutes after you realise something was wrong but you weren't quite sure what was going on?
1: Yeah well to be honest I kind of I knew nearly straight away that the Achilles had that was a rupture Um and as well, I knew that it would be kind of a long time out, so I kind of got to terms with it quite quickly and just said I have to deal with it. There's nothing I can do, so, yeah.
2: And things moved quite quickly from the injury mm. happening in a night-time session to an operation very shortly afterwards. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so I went to St. Vincent straight away, which is only around the corner from UCD. Um, like I got seen to quite quickly there, and they just confirmed that it was the Achilles had ruptured. So they said that... I needed to get the operation quite soon, I think they said within 48 hours, um, and yeah luckily I got it done the next day on the Tuesday, the Tuesday morning, so it went quite quickly. Why did it have to happen within 48 hours? And um, They said that there was a chance that the, the tissue could die, the Achilles, if it wasn't done quickly, So, but luckily I did, I got it done within less than 24.
2: Okay, so you've had your scan, you've had the worst <clears throat> news told to you. Who tells you that and how do they break it to you? Do they try and tell you softly or do they just
1: get straight to the point and tell you what you kind of already knew? Well, the physios came out to me on the pitch at UCD and um, there's a test that they can do where uh, basically they just squeeze your calf and if your Achilles is intact, your foot should kind of point down and if if there's a rupture, there'll be no movement. So they did that and they kind of just told me straight away that there was some sort of a tear there, and then when I went to the hospital, they confirmed it as well. That was completely ruptured. What are your immediate thoughts when you hear that news? Like four days before the season starts? Yeah, I was good. Like, um, but as I said, I just tried to get to terms with it as quickly as I could. Like when it happened first, I was like, I was upset, but I kind of quickly just said to myself, it's done now, so I'll just get on with it.
2: Yeah, I've never, you know, had a serious injury, touch wood. I'm not an elite footballer or athlete, so I wouldn't really have a reason to have one. But this isn't the first time you've had a serious injury. It's actually the third. Give us the timeline of your your previous two. And and you've just had a a really, you know, poor couple of years, luck-wise, because you're still only 21 and you've missed a lot of football in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, uh, 2015, the end of 2015, I tore my ACL um, and missed uh, just over a year with that. So I missed all of 2016. Then, to start the last season, I picked up an ankle injury and missed the first half of the season. So, I've been unlucky enough the last few years, but it is what it is.
2: Yeah, like, hopefully once you come through this, that'll be the end of the injuries that you've had, but we were only chatting before we started and all three of Evan's injuries have come on his left leg and he's a left-footed player as well. And you're also on a scholarship in city studying physiotherapy and I think you were only learning about Achilles and those sort of injuries like in recent times. But it's, you know strange that all three have come on your basically your kicking foot
1: yeah um i don't know whether it's just coincidence or not like um the injury i got last year was impact so i don't think that had anything to do with the previous injuries but yeah, maybe that leg is just cursed so
2: in college you've been learning about this it's like awful irony that it's actually happened what had you learned about this injury before it happened to you and when had you actually learned it
1: yeah, it was literally monday morning um we had a lecture just about tendons and different injuries and, yeah, the Achilles was mentioned and just kind of what happens when the injury happens and a little bit about the rehab, not too much, but just that it is quite a long time, so I knew straight away that I was going to be out for a good while when it happened, there. Yeah.
2: And that's like, you know, again, strange, <clears throat> it's an irony, it's timing, it's face, whatever you want to look at, but... To have actually been learning about it that morning and for it to happen like hours later it, it, like is awful to kind of think about it and that you knew straight away what the repercussions were because you're studying to be a physio. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was it was really weird. Like it was literally that morning that I learned about it. So I don't know if it's fate or whatever, but I'll have a, a good idea of the rehab now anyway. So that's one good thing.
2: And, you know, a lot of time in college people are, you know, on their laptops or on their phones or not, you know, 100% paying <clears throat> attention to what's going on. When that lecture was on, like can you remember what the lecture was saying about it and the seriousness of it and, and all that sort of stuff at the time Like,
1: yeah no I actually was listening to this one um, it was something that I was interested in and um, to be honest we like the le- the whole lecture wasn't just about Achilles it was about different tendons, so it wasn't gone into great detail but um, I did pick up a few bits yeah. so they'll be useful going forward
2: yeah, so the news broke on Monday night into Tuesday morning as well and, and since then Evans had a huge reaction on social media from the PFAI and the club and a lot of his former teammates and current teammates have tweeted and, and stuff to kind of wish you the best of luck and that support this week has been massive. So you
1: tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, I think it was kind of Tuesday morning that most people would have found out because the League of Ireland lunch was on and I think that's when it kind of broke. Um, so I was getting my operation Tuesday so it was probably... Tuesday evening by the time that I kind of got my phone again and yeah I just had so many messages from loads of different people from football and family friends and yeah it was just it was nice to get that support there.
2: What type of support and and what type of help should Mm -hmm. I say can that support be knowing that literally the whole league is is thinking about you and even though it it can't physically help the injury it's it's nice to know that people are, are kind of there for you.
1: Yeah exactly it's just nice to know that people are thinking of you and Offering their support, um, I kind of got a few texts from people that have had um, injuries like that just kind of explaining to me um, that it is a long road, but you know, like that they've got through it and I'll get through it as well. Like.
2: And it shows as well the kind of League of Ireland family that we have, that even though you know, you're <coughs> a rival of
1: a lot of people, like you've played for
2: Shells on loan, you've played for Shamrock Rovers, you've, you've played your schoolboy football, you've, you've met lots of different coaches and players and, and stuff around, that, and that shows the kind of family aspect of the league that doesn't often get talked about
1: yeah definitely like I got messages from people from I would say nearly every club like people that I've played with before and even players that I've just played against Um, ex-managers even some supporters as well so yeah it was it was nice and good family aspect
2: so you're in your lecture on, mm-hmm. on Monday morning and you've since obviously I'm sure done lots of research and heard a lot about the road to recovery and, and exactly what that is what is facing you over the next number of months the next year the, you know the time scale involved and the amount of work involved that unfortunately you know all too well about you know lonely times in the gym and on the physio table
1: and away from the lads yeah well at the minute i'm just in a cast and on crutches so i'll be in the cast for about two weeks and then when i come out of that i'll be in a um a boot a prote- protective boot for probably six weeks so during that time there'll be <clears throat> pretty much no rehab it'll just be kind of letting it set and then once I come out of the boot it'll just be um kinda getting the range of motion back in the ankle and stuff and then just building up the muscle and eventually getting back to running and more kinda functional stuff on the pitch, but yeah, it'll be a long enough road.
2: Have you put a time scale on it yet in your head or are you still in the in the process of trying to come to terms with it all?
1: Ah, uh, not really, yeah. Um the surgeon said to me that it could be anywhere up to a year, but kinda doing research and chatting to people, I think eight nine months is kind of um the maximum that anyone that i've spoken to has said so um just i'll see how it goes i'm not really thinking that far ahead at the minute but hopefully um it won't be too long
2: and yeah like you've been waiting so long to play premier division football i know when you were at Roberts, did you, you probably had a of appearance in the premier league then did you or was it just a couple? Uh, yeah three three okay. appearances so in- Evan would have been 16 or 17 at that time and Played for shells on, on loan in the first division. And I think, was in, were you in the first division team of the year? Or you, you, you had a really good season, certainly, anyway. And, and then, it's been at UCD for the last couple of seasons. has had a couple of injuries, but had a really good second half of last season. So, you're, you're kind of in the week leading up to what you've been building towards for a few years. And then, you get that blow. But you, you seem mentally strong to, you know, you just want to get back. And, and even though it's such a blow, you don't seem overly... You know, you seem as if you're already you're initial as a point and you're now focused on the road back. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said, at first it was, you know, hard to come to terms with. But, um, yeah, like I've had probably worse before with the ACL. So I think that's, I'm prepared mentally. Like I know what's going to be ahead of me. Um, and I still have to remember like, that I still am only young. I'm only 21. So hopefully I'll have a long career ahead of me.
2: How does an injury like this as well affect like the people around you? Like I know your mum Regina would have been here when you got home, and your dad Paul O'Sam who's been on the show before and Pat's legend in the League of Ireland, Ireland under sixteen manager as well, but was in Cork working and, and wanted to come back and and you said, listen, stay there. I'm, I'm I'm in the right hands. And injuries like that when your parents are so involved in your career can be can hit them too clearly very you know very hard.
1: Yeah, as you said, my dad was away. He was down in Cork, so he was a bit all over the place when he heard and he wanted to come home. But I said, look. You know, if you don't need to, I'll be grand. I'll get the operation. And, you know, there's no need for you to be here. But, yeah, I suppose it's hard enough on them as well. Like, they obviously want to see me doing well. And if I'm not playing and a bit disappointed and stuff, it's hard. But, uh, they've been they've been great to me.
2: And they're going to see you more around the house now as well because you'll be, you'll be here <laughs> for a little bit too. and um, You'll be watching telly and trying to come up with things to do with, as well as your college course as well. How will you spend the time... Apart from your rehab, the fact that normally you'd be, you know, on the pitch three nights a week and playing games and, you know, today, for example, on Friday, the UCD team would be already on the bus to Derry and there's lots of time that football takes up that you're now going to have to fill with doing other things.
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to still try and stay as involved as I can. Um, I was actually just speaking to Collie O'Neill earlier and he said that to me, you know, to try and stay involved as I can he he said that he'll you know get me to do little bits maybe even watching videos of the opposition just to keep me involved I'll be at all the games and that but yeah I suppose I'll have time to do other things that I probably wouldn't have had just even like spending more time with my mates and stuff so
2: yeah we spoke to Owen Weirin who is now playing in the Northern Irish Premier League but he was with Limerick at the time last year on the podcast and he had a serious injury and when he was at Bowles and Keith Long the Bowles manager asked him to do the opposition analysis and he Really enjoyed that. He's now done some of his coaching badges and he's now working as a coach in the Underage League of Ireland as well as still playing. And he kind of used that time injured to focus on other areas of football. Is that something you, you might look to do yourself?
1: Yeah, it might be. Um, I've never really thought about like coaching and stuff like that before, but I don't know, it could it could spark an interest uh, if I'm doing little bits, you know, helping Collie out and stuff. Um, so, yeah
2: yeah of course you're becoming a physio as well and it's it's uh, this might sound like a strange question but will it help the process given you are a physio or you will be a physio and you're aware of of what the road is or is it dangerous that you might be kind of overthinking stuff and and because you're you're kind of in that field you know the way some people say if you type into google achilles injury you start to think you know you read anything and anyone in the world could have written it but the fact that you're actually learning the proper techniques that might help you might also overthink
1: and i think it will help um I'll, obviously, I'll understand what's happening when I'm working with physio. Um, I'll know what's going on and it'll probably help me as well in my physio career because you know, it, it is quite a big injury. So to see like the rehab and actually go through the rehab will help me going forward. Yes,
2: yeah. yeah, so as I said, myself and Evan Ozam speaking <coughs> here on Friday afternoon. So it's before the uh, League of Ireland started. It's just a couple of hours he'll kick off in the games. So we don't know the result of UCD against Derry or any of the other results as well but result aside on the first game what's your your thoughts on the the kind of voyage ahead for UCD won the Premier Division the first division last year should I say playing brilliant football made the FAI Cup semi-finals lost it on dock 1-0 and and played really well on the night could have got to the final and you know earned loads of plaudits for playing great football and it's a young team it's it's not the biggest squad in the world but lots of talent and your manager said to me at the launch the other day that you know we're not here to make up the numbers effectively we're here to try and perform and, and, and avoid being in a relegation fight
1: yeah, um, I mean, it is going to be tough. Obviously, it's probably the first taste of Premier Division football for the majority of the squad. Um, but as you said, like we've got some very good players, uh, young lads, um, and uh, I don't think we're going to have any fear going into into the season ahead. Um, but I was obviously looking forward to it, and the lads are as well, just buzzing to get going and hopefully get a good start tonight up in Derry.
2: Yeah, and it's something as well that, you know, we, we see with the League of Orange a lot now is younger players getting a chance in the league and, and UCD are a club that, you know, really do that. And, and in recent years on the show, because UCD being been in the first division, for time reasons, we focus mainly on, on Bows and Rovers and Pats because they're, they're clubs in, in the Premier, whereas on the <clears> podcast <throat> we've done as much on the first division as well. But for people listening or, or watching who, who don't know much about the UCD model and, and you know what it is and what it does for young players you might just explain to us a little bit about how it works and, and you know the massive benefit UCD will now be to the Premier even though some people suggest that they you know they shouldn't be there because of crowds and stuff but in terms of the whole package it's a really really good club and, and an interesting model that they operate off.
1: yeah well basically our, pretty much our whole squad is made up of lads that are on scholarship so everyone is in college studying um, so I think our oldest player is maybe 24 um, so Bunch of young lads um, But yeah, a lot of talent there um, Some really good young players Like you would have seen that Three of them were in the 21s there The home base team there a couple of weeks ago um, So yeah, a lot of exciting young players And hopefully show what we're about this year
2: Yeah, Neil Farrugia, Liam Scales yeah. And the goalkeeper Conor Kearns were in that squad Stephen Kenny's first under 21 squad together They beat the Irish Amateurs 1-0 in a friendly game In Whitehall in terrible rain there a couple of weeks ago um, and I'm right in saying so you go to college you're on scholarship some of the the players that live not in Dublin are on campus living there you're living at home but you sometimes go to the gym in the mornings training the evenings in the summertime training in the mornings work on the summer camps there's, there's lots of stuff around being UCD to football or access to the gyms and the pools and physios and any, anything you really need the high performance gym and stuff
1: yeah um, as you said most a lot of the lads that are from the country or whatever live on campus so We've got a good bond like we're always kind of together when we're not in lectures and stuff just around the place um, and yeah we're in pretty much well I suppose we're nearly full time like we're in training probably three times a week and then we've got gym sessions as well um, access to physios, gyms, great facilities out there so yeah it's a really good place to be.
2: And you'll now be making more use of the gyms and the physios than you would like to have been this year as well. But again, you know, some League of Ireland clubs and there was, you know, some criticism last year of certain clubs with injured players and treatment and physios and that sort of stuff. But lucky is not the word because you've got a serious injury, but you're in a, a scenario where the club has the facilities and the people to help you get
1: better. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll have access to whatever I need. Um, I mean, there's even a, an altergy treadmill out there that, you know, are quite hard to come by sometimes, but that'll be useful down the line. So yeah, I've got everything that I need. So hopefully it goes well.
2: Yeah, so that treadmill, is a, it's mm. a very special machine, which Evan will tell us more because I don't really know too much about it, but effectively you can run, but not put your weight on the ground. And in the case of an Achilles injury, that's obviously important. Mm. How does that machine actually work? And it means you can actually still do the mechanics of exercise that you can't do physically on a pitch or on a road. Like
1: Yeah, so it's basically a treadmill. Um... you step into and you can set it to different settings so that you're only taking a certain percentage of your body weight so obviously coming back from an injury like this at the start you're not going to want to put your full body weight on it so you can set it to whatever you want whether it's like 50% of your body weight or whatever Um, and you can still run and as you said the mechanics of running and stuff like that so it's it's useful to have.
2: And finally how's the physio course going overall I understand Mm. it's quite heavy in terms of lectures and practicals and you're in second year third year second year so it's you know a course that requires a lot of brains and a lot of work but how's it going
1: and how are you finding it yeah i'm loving it i'm really enjoying it it's something that i'm interested in which obviously makes it easier and um, i'm gonna have more time now to to focus on the studies which i suppose is a positive in some way and um, but yeah i'm loving it really enjoying it
2: and do you have a plan? Do you want to work in team sport? Do you want to work in like in a like the sports surgery clinic type place? Do you, do you have a you know an area of the physiotherapy industry in mind when you do qualify and you do work
1: in it? Uh, I'm not 100% sure yet. Definitely sports. Uh, I'm not sure whether with a team or in like a, a kind of rehab centre or whatever, but definitely something to do with sports. Yeah, I'd like to stay involved.
2: Sam, thanks for being here for your time. I appreciate you putting on the, the opportunity for us to talk about the injury. The best of luck in the recovery, and we're looking forward to seeing you back on the pitch whenever that may
1: be. Thanks very much,
2: Jake. Yeah, best of luck to Evan Ozam in his recovery from that injury. We're sure he'll be back better, bigger and stronger as soon as that recovery is finished. The First Division fixtures again this weekend. All games taking place on Friday at 7.45. Again, I wish some of the First Division clubs might play on a Saturday or a Sunday where more people, including me, from a salvage point of view, could actually get to games, cover games, report on games. I do think they get more coverage and, and maybe a little bounce in the crowds as well. But anyway, all games taking place this Friday. It's at lone against Wexford, the bottom two for the previous two seasons in the first division. Cabin and Bray, a local derby there of sorts. Trotty United host Cove Ramblers, which is a repeat of the last game of last season. Probably the game of the weekend is Galway against Shells in Eamon DC Park. Shells, of course, the massive favourites for the title. And Limerick with new financial backers and back at the market's field host Neil Fenn's Longford Town. That game is also at 7.45. So... To put my arse on the line, the First Division predictions, Athlone to beat Wexford, Bray to beat cabin I think Bray to beat cabin yeah, I think Drogheda and Cove will be a draw, I think Shells will win in Galway, and I think Longford will beat Limerick, so they are my predictions, you can check more of our predictions with myself, and all of our team... On the at Off the Ball and at 98FM Twitter pages. Yeah, that's it for episode three of the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast with myself, Jamie Moore. Thank you very much for listening. And to our guests, you heard from Christy McElliott, you heard from Shane Keegan, and from Evan O'Sam More from all of those in the podcast section of OffTheBall.com. And we're back next Wednesday. See you then, folks. Bye bye.
0: The best League of Ireland
3: podcast in the business.
0: Brought to you by the Boyle Sports app. Cash out and in play betting available in the App Store and Google Play Store. This is Off The
1: Ball.